and welcome back to another episode of The Athlete's Advocate. I am your host, Ashel Tack, professional basketball player and author of The Reality Behind the Glamour of College Athletics. Today's guest is none other than professional basketball player, WBA athlete and advocate, Fatima A. Hi, Fatima. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, it's great to have you. Looking forward to our conversation. I can't wait. (laughs) Fatima has played in countries like El Salvador, France, Australia, Germany, Norway, and Greece. She's currently playing in Egypt and doing work behind the scenes to push and advocate for the WBA. Now, Fatima, before we get deep into our conversations, I kind of just wanted to start at the beginning, you know, of where you started your career. When did you start your career? um, And what was life for you growing up? I know you were born in Canada, but ultimately raised in Oakland. So how was that experience for you? Yeah. So like I grew up in California, um, obviously, you know, as a young kid, you're being put in a different situation um, and you're, you know, kind of forced to adapt uh, to your new environment. So, you know, I'm out there living with my family, don't really know too many people other than like the people that um, my mother has introduced us to. But um Growing up, I fell in love with the sport of basketball. Um, I tell people this all the time. Basketball saved my life in so many ways. Just because uh, during middle school, like my family, especially after like September 11th, um, growing up, I was I lived in a single parent household. So you know, after September 11th happened, like the world kind of shifted. Um, my mother didn't have, you know, the money to financially support a household of five. So we ended up living in a homeless shelter for like three years. So those three years happened to be middle school. And those are very like critical stages of your life just because (laughs) kids are kind of learning who they are. Um, And kids can be, you know, mean sometimes, but I was able to play basketball and that pretty much was like my outlet um, from you know, the experience, um, of living in that. So getting older, I was able to meet a lot of amazing people that have kind of, um, helped me to realize I could use basketball as a tool to, um, change my environment, change my circumstances and just become whoever I wanted to be. Um, you know, when university started, um, I went to a couple of JUCOs in the beginning cause I, wasn't um I didn't have the right paperwork obviously to go um to a D2 or D1 coming out of high school so um went to JUCO bounced around to a couple schools um finally ended up in Toronto back home um at Ryerson University uh it was again a culture shock for me just because like the academic system in America compared to the academic system in Canada, they really emphasize student before athlete. So, you know, I was, I basically used school as like my initial incentive to be able to play basketball, but um, I had to really learn how to be like a student um, and just, you know, dial in. I went through a bit of um, depression, but, um, during you know my time there, uh, Canada is a huge advocate advocate for mental health, especially in sports. So I was able to get the help that I needed and talk to the right people to help me navigate um, through what I was experiencing. Um, didn't have like the best college career. Like I've honestly I've finished 
<laughs> I finished university probably averaging like three points, but I always wanted to, you know, play basketball at a professional level. So um, I was able to talk to some friends. They were able to lead me in the right direction. You know, I played for a semi-pro team, wasn't really getting what I needed from it. So I ended up going to like this combine in Seattle as like my last resort. Being there, I was able to go up against some players uh, from like some big D ones and um, some other players that, you know, didn't make it through um, WNBA training camp. So I was really able to kind of see where I fell on the spectrum. And I, you know, it was, it was good for me. I was able to um, build my confidence and just really um, change my focus and um, really dial in and just get ready to, you know, play overseas. So, you know, Probably like three weeks later, I ended up getting my first offer to play in El Salvador. After that, um, I ended up playing in France, which was amazing. You know, you don't really hear too many stories like that from someone playing in like a lower um, tier country to be able to go and, you know, get an opportunity to play in Europe. Um, So from there, you know, went to Australia, then I went to Norway, then Greece, and then um, in between, I was able to meet some really amazing people that kind of uh, helped me to realize that I'm just more than a basketball player. Like I'm a business woman. I can be an athlete. I can be whatever I want and, you know, be able to use my story to help others um, really just realize that, you know, they're deserving of a blessing if they believe it and if they work hard for it. Yeah. And, you know, just listening to you talk about your journey and your experiences. um, First of all, you're very inspiring and you're a phenomenal player. I actually got to play against you in Greece. um, So that was just a great experience. But (laughs) everything you like everything you said, I just kind of want to unpack it all um, and kind of just back up a little bit, you know, as someone you know, as a kid going through, you know, um, the educational system as, you know, a middle schooler and um, going through what you were going through at the time, do you think that impacted your confidence level both both as a a kid, you know, and and as an athlete, or do you think it fueled you uh, to be able to be resilient as you are to continue to just fight through those challenges that you face and situations um, to be where you are now? I mean, as a kid, you don't really look into that much stuff. Like you're really reliant on your parents to, you know, provide for you and all this stuff. But at that age, like my focus had to, it it flipped. Like I, I had to be that person um, to kind of like provide for myself. Like if my mom didn't have it, cause there's my other siblings that need things too. And we're already low on funds. I had to, you know, work jobs at like a food truck at a flea market just so that I can like have money for food and money for, you know, clothing. But, you know, being able to go to like a a charter school at that time, we had uniforms. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't really, people couldn't really tell that I was living in a shelter because we all had the same stuff and stuff like that. But um, it kind of really made me realize that being in that situation, this isn't for me. Um, being in this, like, this isn't, this isn't going to be the, my end goal. Like, I want to be more than, than what's going on here. I don't need to be a product of my environment because there's so many people that are put in bad situations and they kind of just adopt this hopeless, helpless mentality and they fall victim to the circumstance. And I 
always believed like there's a special reason why I'm here. I, I just need to find my purpose. And once I find it, I just need to, you know, continue to live through it and, you know, show people that they can, they can fight the struggle. They can be whatever they want to be. They just need to just keep working, keep fighting. Now that's amazing. You know, great advice. Now, um, you kind of touched up on this a little bit, but you talked about how you, um, were going through depression early on in your, um, in your life, and your career. Um, I'd actually read about this in your article that you did with Voyage LA. Um, and you kind of just, just, you know, disclosed your struggles with depression. And my question is, could you possibly speak into that and, and how that experience was like for you in that time frame and how you were able to pull yourself out um, and battle those dark days that you maybe had or, you know, those dark thoughts that you probably had, you know, how are you able to kind of push through and who what was around you that supported you to be able to to say, hey, you know what, Fatima, like, you know, I'm here for you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here to support you. You know, you'll make it out like this is just a temporary thing. Um. <laughs> When I got to high school, um, I didn't live with my mom. I ended up living with um, my coach that I met um, through the program, the school that I was at. I was at St. Joe's um, in Alameda. It's actually the school that Jason Kidd went to for high school. So I ended up, you know, meeting um, this amazing man. His name is, his name was Ken Babers. Um, and he like took me in because obviously he saw that I didn't have a father and like, he could kind of see like what I was going through. Like, but I was able to, you know, live with his family during high school, but um, he ended up passing away during like my junior year. And, you know, I went into this like deep depression because I like, I blamed myself kind of for what happened just because like, you know, he was having some heart complications and we got into this like really big fight on his anniversary with his, well, with his wife. And, you know, I ended up ruining their anniversary night. And like the next morning he is laying there unconscious in the, uh, in the living room. So, you know, probably like an hour or two later, he was pronounced dead at the hospital and it really like, it really messed me up for a while. Cause I was just like, this is one person that really cared about me and, you know, really took the time to help me develop my game and just, you know, helped me to believe that I can go as far as I ever wanted to go. So with that, you know, I finally get to Toronto. Um, I, after some years, I was able to um, talk to, she's like my my second mom, but uh, I was able to live with her for a little bit. And she's a clinical psychologist. Um, and she kind of helped me to um, debrief and just go through some of the stuff that I was, you know, that I had accumulated over the years, um, emotionally and mentally. So when I got back to school, um, I ended up having another person in the family. Uh, my grandfather, he passed away and, um, I had to tell my mom, you know, that her father passed away. So that in itself just kind of, you know, really set me back and I just started to relapse again. Like I didn't have motivation to do anything. i don't think I left my house for like two weeks um, after he passed. And, you know, I'm finally getting back, trying to get myself together. Um, and I go to practice for the first day in the new year. And um, like my coach asked about my grandfather without, you know, 
I've told her what, what had happened, but she just didn't, um, I guess it didn't, it didn't dawn on her, like what had happened. So, you know, after her, you know, asking me about that and I kind of just relapsed again. Cause I was just like, no one really cares about like what I'm going through. So, you know, that semester I almost flunked out of school. Um, <laughs> I wasn't attending class. So it was really hard for me to just get back on track. So I finally got to the point where, um, I admitted to myself that I needed to see somebody because I needed to work through this. I, I, I couldn't let this, you know, stop me from what I was doing. I felt like I was very stagnant during that time, but, you know, um, I was able to, you know, go to counseling for two years. Um, that was provided through the school and, you know, my last year, I really learned a lot about myself, especially being a psychology student. Um, I was taking some courses that kind of helped me to um, apply it to my life and how to be better and just how to just deal with it and just accept that not everyone is perfect. Everyone has their own baggage that they need to to deal with. So the better I am you know, at dealing with it, I'm able to help others and just continue to move forward and, you know, work towards being the most authentic you know, version of myself. You know, I think your story is so powerful and so inspiring because, you know, when you going when you were going through that, you seeked out the help that you needed. You know, you went and asked for the help and you accepted it. And then not only that, but then you picked yourself up and you continued. You know, most people would have been discouraged to a point where they just felt like the end was near, you know, um, that they didn't have a future um, or the sun wasn't going to rise the next day. So I applaud you for recognizing that you did need that help and, and, and you accepted it and you bettered yourself and you picked yourself up and you motivated yourself to continue and you saw the potential that you had um, and, and you went on with life with that because you're doing so many amazing things today. So I'm really glad you were able to get out of that dark time. Now, you know, I want to kind of shift focus a little bit and talk about the double standard that is in the athletic world. And I know uh, you probably have some experience with this, whether it's direct experience or experiences from other athletes that you know. I know I have experiences with this. Um, where And this happens both in the college world and the professional world where kind of coaches, teams, agents, and everybody else kind of tells you and determines what your career is like or is going to be like or is. And then once you have a say or once you kind of want more or want different, they look at you like, no, you're not supposed to say anything. We're just supposed to determine everything for you. So what are your thoughts surrounding that issue? Um, and how do we go about addressing it so we can come up with solutions and, and just kind of have an effective uh, conversation about it and, and educate our athletes like, hey, it's okay to want more. It's okay to challenge um, what isn't right or what isn't working for you or what isn't beneficial to you. Um, you don't have to settle and you can challenge the very system that you're a part of. Um, I think that's incredibly important just because, you know, I like to tie things back into mental health. If mentally you're not there, you're not going to perform at your best. You're not going to be able to give, you know, the program that you're assigned to your all. So, you know, I've been a part of programs. Well, when I was in Norway, I'm not going to lie, like <laughs> there, I had a roommate and but the other import on the team and you know she didn't like me for some reason so she ended up getting me fired the day before my birthday like 
I got fired the day before my birthday. My contract was terminated. Um, the way that they did it was very uh, unprofessional. Um, but, you know, it really took a shot to my confidence because I was just like, I thought I was doing everything right. Like I was, you know, giving back to the community. I was, you know, doing camps and clinics with the kids. The The team was doing well, you know, better than they've done in the last, you know, two seasons. But um, I just feel like as an athlete going into a program, they pretty much just look at you as a product. This is what you're marketing. You know, this is what you're showing them. They expect you to do what, you know, you're, you're telling them that you'll do. But at the end of the day, we're not robots. You need to be able to accept that we have feelings and, you know, kind of check in and just see how we're doing and stuff like that, just to make sure that we're all on the same page. But I feel like if athletes were more vocal and kind of, I even know agents, you know, some agents, um, they'll even tell you if you're thinking of, you know, going home because you're, you don't feel comfortable in a situation, they'll be, they'll try and, you know, blackball you or instill fear in you telling you, oh, you know, if you do this, you're not going to be able to, you know, get this job next year. You're going to put yourself in a bad position. And it shouldn't be like that because if you're unhappy, everyone is unhappy. They know what that feeling feels like. There needs to be a little bit more empathy um, in that regard. Yeah. So we just got to respect each other a little bit more. And, you know, yes, we're there to do a job, but you got to check in. We're not robots. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I I truly believe, I mean, I don't know how we could go about this, but I truly believe that, you know, because the world overseas is different than the world here, right? You know, Um, and I feel like it's so different, you know, (laughs) like here, I feel like here you're kind of protected more with your contracts and everything. And when you're overseas, it's like if a team says, you know, like you're not performing for what they thought or you're not who they thought you were, whatever, they can just like, cut your contract, you know, and send you home. But I think it's kind of crazy how when you want to turn the tables on them and be like, you know what, you know, this team is not good. I don't want to be here or this is affecting me mentally or I don't like where the environment I'm in because it's not healthy for my, you know, well-being or whatever. And you cut that contract, you know, you have people telling you, well, you're not going to get this job next year or your contract's going to look different or, you know, everybody's going to know you as that girl that left this program. And I I think it shouldn't be like that because I think, you know, we need to do a better job of protecting athletes most importantly, um, which we don't do a lot of. Um, So I, I think we need to do a better job, like you said, of speaking up, speaking out, advocating for others as we advocate for ourselves, and then and start that conversation surrounding that and see what solutions we uh, that can come out of that. Um, now, how do you feel about the lack of media and sponsorship deals with the amount of athletes that currently play professionally overseas? How do you feel about the lack of coverage that we get? You know, when you're playing the W, you know, the WNBA, you know, the girls in the WNBA are currently struggling, you know, to get the exposure they need in, in the media and stuff. And we understand that, but it's getting better. Now, for those girls that just play overseas where we're playing in different countries and it's not being broadcasted here, how can we do a better job of highlighting those girls and, and and letting them know like hey we have a bunch of you know elite american athletes that go overseas and play um and this is how we can keep up with them um and know who they are and kind of expose them to the sports world here how, how can we do that of highlighting um those things here in the states i mean i know that some social media handles like overtime and um what other accounts i can't really think at this time but 
Um, I know they do a good job of, you know, highlighting some athletes. I feel like if we had, you know, a certain social media that highlights professional athletes of, you know, all overseas backgrounds, I think that would definitely uh, benefit and, you know, it would be able to increase the exposure. But I mean, me personally, I've never had that exposure. Every every time I've had or I, I've needed exposure, I had to create it for myself. So I think if we took a little more of an initiative and started to, you know, build that for ourselves, like we don't need like the idea we can create this for ourselves. I know it does take time and stuff like that, but if you really want something, you can build it. It just takes time. You need people that believe in you and believe in, you know, what you're trying to, to create for the community. So just taking more initiative on our end, because it's not, you know, all on media. Like if we want something, we can make it happen. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Now, switching gears a little bit, let's talk about the WBA. Um, talk talk more about, you know, what the importance of that is, why it was created, um, and the big part and piece that you play um, in this league. And um, we'd love to know more about it and how it's impacting and changing the world of women's basketball, you know, as we know it right now, currently. Definitely. So, um like I said earlier in the interview, um, throughout my career, I was able to meet some really amazing people uh, that kind of took me under their wing and showed me, you know, I can be more than just an athlete. I can be a businesswoman, entrepreneur. Um, so, you know, with that, after COVID hit, all of us got sent home. Like, I know my flight was like booked on like March 16th, uh, along with a bunch of other Americans. But, you know, I... Uh, again, I was depressed because I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, you know, what's the next step? What if, you know, the world doesn't go back after the next season? So, you know, my boss, uh, Jermaine Barnes, he actually created this league back in 2010 and 2016. At the time, they were partnered with the Atlantic team. So, you know, he gave me a call in April. We talked, I think, within like the first five minutes he was just like explaining, but like, I could already see the vision. Like my mind already started racing and I was just like, okay, I was trying to, you know, put the right building blocks in in certain places so that I can create something amazing for my community. Because in California, we don't, or a lot of places in America, like there's not that much representation for female basketball uh, outside of the WNBA. Like there are some, you know, leagues, but they don't, it's not really, you know, beneficial, like in, in terms of, you know, helping these athletes with aspirations of playing overseas, helping them get to where they would like to be. So uh, I took it upon myself and I was just like, I'd like to bring this to California. So, you know, he gave me the responsibility of being the director out here. Uh, the league itself, pretty much, you know, it, it's a place for players with WNBA and overseas experience to, you know, play, get stats that go on your own basket, get film that goes online that they can all add to their resume so that, you know, if players have a gap in their, in their season, they're able to fill it in with this. Or if there's players that are fresh out of college that don't do well at combines and, you know, they don't get an opportunity to play, they can start building on their resume here. And, you know, whenever we hear of jobs, we automatically reach out and we send their information in and, you know, advocate for them as much as possible um, to, to help them get an opportunity to get overseas. So, I mean, this in itself, it's been a very, it's been a blessing just because I've been able to interact with the community more. Um, you know, I, 
for the last five, six years, I've been working for the Golden State Warriors in their camps department. So, you know, giving back has always been a passion of mine. I like to, you know, really help out the next generation, especially, you know, kids, they don't really talk to you or they don't really, you know, disclose too much about what they're going through. But you can see the ones that, you know, kind of have gone or are going through what you're going through. So if you can just, you know, mentor them and, you know, remind them that, you know, you're in their corner and they could do whatever they want. If they want to, you know, play in the WNBA, play overseas, you know, remind them this is what they, they need to do in order to get there, but, you know, just be there for them. And, and in turn, you know, it comes back around full circle because if I'm able to help someone, that next person that's helped and they're in a very good, you know, situation, they meet someone that, that needs some help. They're able to, you know, go on and give them, give them that help and, you know, help them succeed. And that's so great. I think, um, you know, I think that's what it's all about is coming back and giving back to the community and helping those that need the help, because I'm sure we've all had someone kind of take our hand and help us through our own journey. So it's it's always great to come back, you know, and do the same thing for others and see how they grow and how they're able to contribute back into into society. So, you know, I'm glad that you guys were able to create this um, and to encourage athletes in this way that maybe feel like they're not good enough um, to go out there and show their talents and their potential and then then give them the opportunity to then get jobs through this is just amazing. And I don't think it's being done right now. So I'm glad you guys are doing it um, and doing it right. Now, we did talk about COVID and athletes being sent back home after it first, you know, initially kind of started back in like February, March. Um, can you you talk to us about how athletes were doing after you know the whole COVID situation was already uh, full force and some decided to go back and play what that looked like and how that impacted not only um, their playing abilities and, and, and their physical side but their mental side and their emotional side as well oh my gosh um, that is very important because you know European season, they start, you know, people get signed, they get ready to leave August, September. Um, I know a lot of my friends that got picked up, you know, they get there and the country goes into lockdown. So they're chilling for like three or four weeks until, you know, basketball picks up again. And they're not really, they're not really able to train the way that they would like to. So I just feel like this season, it really kind of threw a lot of athletes, um, it just kind of threw off their rhythm. Like I know everyone, especially at this level, you need to be in a certain zone, you need to be in a certain rhythm mentally, physically in order to perform at your best. And, you know, throughout, throughout this season, it hasn't really been like that. Like I know with me, you know, starting the WBA, like before I got there, nobody was playing basketball. There were no open gyms happening. Like I had to go through a lot just so that I was able to, just so that I was, you know, able to create an environment where we could, you know, play and be safe. And even that, like, we were still restricted to how many days we were able to do that, you know, um, how many people were able to be in all that stuff. But yeah, no, COVID uh, really set a lot of people back. And I know a lot of players, especially ones that, you know, were trying to get their overseas career started this year, they weren't able to play. So that puts them at a disadvantage. Now they're starting all the way over. Now they need to show current film, they need to show current stats that, you know, prove that can prove to a club that they'll be an asset to their program. So. Right. Right. 
And, you know, I know right now um, you're currently still building the WBA um, and still doing the behind the scenes work. Um, and I'm sure your hands are tied with that. And you're also in Egypt right now playing. <laughs> you're also in Egypt right now playing um, <laughs> and, and pu pushing forward initiatives and connecting with athletes and being an advocate. Um, but I wanted to ask, what are some other projects that you, you're probably working on right now or will come out that we can support and we can look forward to and our listeners can support um, and watch out for or tune in for? Um, well, we have this, uh, the National Super League coming up uh, this June. And, you know, right now I've been applying for as many grants as possible because I'm trying to give the ladies in this, this league, you know, as much opportunity as possible, as much exposure as possible. Um, so, you know, Whenever I post things, like I just posted um, a FedEx grant contest that uh, I've just entered into. If you guys can go on there and vote, um, you can vote once a day for the next, uh, I believe the, the deadline is March 24th. You can vote every day until then. Um, the grant is worth, you know, $50,000. So if we're, you know, awarded that, I can do so much more to help the ladies within this league and in turn be able to help, you know, the community. Like I would love to put on clinics for high school kids, college kids that come back home over, you know, once, you know, summer starts and kind of pass on my knowledge as well as have the other ladies that are involved in the league pass on their knowledge so that they can become, you know, well-rounded athletes as well as people. Well, you know, Fatima, thank you so much for being a community leader um, and being a game changer and, uh, kind of just going forward and putting yourself out there for other people and, and living through your purpose and wanting to um, help others grow as you're growing within the game um, and advancing the women's game as well. Um, so th those are great things. <laughs> now, before you leave, um, what is one thing you would leave with our listeners? What is some advice um, that you would give us, no matter if they're athletes or, you know, just non-athletes or people that are just looking to just push through or make it through or, or whatever the case is or whatever they're going through, what is some advice that you would leave with them today? I think this last year, um, you know, I was at a low point and then I got the league started. I was at a high point. Um, my mood switched a lot, but I think I was really, I got myself to a place where, you know, I told myself, you are deserving of a blessing. You are deserving of this blessing. You just need to do what you need to do in order to obtain it. And, you know, once you get it, take it as far as you want to, like you want to go. So I would just tell people, you know, kind of leave that self doubt. I know there's always that voice in the back of our head telling us, you know, we can't do something or, you know, uh, probably shouldn't do it. Someone else is do it, doing it. Like just go out there and, and create and try and give back and just, believe that you're deserving of something and, you know, just continue to build. That's, that's pretty much all I've, that's the advice I can give you. That's what's helping me right now to just push forward and just be the best person that I can be. 
Thank you so much for those words of encouragement. Again, thank you, Fatima, for stopping by and hanging out with us today and being part of the show. You know, from one professional athlete to another, I just want to let you know that I see you um, and that I hope you continue to <laughs> to impact and represent women in sports. Um, we wish you well, and we're definitely looking forward to following your journey and supporting however we can. So thank you again for coming on the show, and we wish you well. Thank you, Shelly. I really appreciate you and this platform that you're providing to all these athletes. This is amazing. And please keep doing what you're doing. Thank you.